As many of you guys know, the Lord's allowed us to be a part of a lot of the work he's doing throughout the world. And whenever, it's always a privilege whenever we get to hear or from some of our missionaries when they actually are able to come back and visit and give us a report of what uh, he's doing in those places through them. Um, we know that God's desire is that none shall perish and all shall come to repentance. And he's, he wants everyone to hear the good news so they have a chance to be saved. And the Lord's used your guys' faithful prayers and, and giving and, and encouragement to these different people that have gone out from this church uh, or that we support, the Lord's kind of knit us with uh, significantly. And so whenever they come back to share, it's meant to be an encouragement to you guys that none of those prayers, none of that giving, nothing's been wasted. God's used it all. And so we have uh, a missionary that him and his family are serving the Lord currently in Germany. The Lord's doing a great work there. And for those of us that have been going to this church for longer than six years this month, um, he doesn't need an introduction because he's also the founding pastor of this church, somebody the Lord used to profoundly affect my life and many of ours. So I'm gonna introduce Jason Beal. It's a lot of emotions. I mean, we've been back since we left six years ago, but I don't know, there's something different today. Like Holy Spirit's moving in this place, you guys. He's doing a work. Thanks, bro. <laughs> Praise God. God is good. I bet you can't guess the translation of that. I've, said, I've been able to, I get invited to the States to speak at a few places, and I took them up on their offer. It's like, if you pay for it, I'll come. So in each one of the places, I've been saying this, and I'm saying it to you. Not, not in any way to make you feel guilty or weird, but it's just as a little check that um, this is not normal. What you guys just did, it's not normal. I mean, it's normal for you, and it's normal in America in a lot of ways, but the rest of the world, this is not normal. To have this many Christians in one place is not a normal thing. <laughs> And to be free just to worship and praise God. And I just want to encourage you with all my heart. Don't let this be ever taken for granted. Do what you're doing and keep doing it. Because this is not what happens in the rest of the world. Not that I've been to the rest of the world. I don't mean to suggest that. But, but I do live in a place that other Germans come up to me and say, you know you live in the most atheistic place on the planet, right? Like not... In Germany, like they say, this is the most atheistic place on the planet. And I'm not sure you can gauge that or measure that, but the fact that they would say that says a lot. We live in a small village in what used to be East Germany, not West Germany, East Germany, which was under communism, as you guys know, until 1989. And um, we live in a, in a really spiritually heavy, just dark place. Um, there's a church in every village I live 25 minutes from where Martin Luther was born and died. I'm about an hour and a half from Wittenberg, which is where he put the 99 Thesis. I'm in the heart of the, you know, the Reformation. So there's all these little museums, I mean churches, of what used to be. And it's dead. This is absolutely dead. A lot of religion, but there's not a lot of just Jesus. Amen? It's a post-Christian or like we like to say pre-Christian place. 
And uh, anyway, so I'm getting kind of ahead of myself, but I just want to give you greetings from the church in Lengefeld, Germany. I live in a little village called Lengefeld. We have about 400 people maybe in the village, um, but we're about f- five kilometers or uh, kilometers, um, five miles or so, like seven kilometers, five miles. Anyway, you guys understand, um, about five minutes from a little town of, called Sangerhausen. It's about 30,000 people, and so everything we need is there. But it's a long story how we got there. It's really not my intention to give you that whole story. I'm a horrible missionary. I don't have any pictures on any of that stuff. Um, because, you know, we, we moved there really out of obedience because we felt like the Lord told us to go there and just live there and just be among the people. And we got to know some other Christians that actually moved to our village to be around us because there was, like, other Christians. And uh, we started this little home Bible study, and we have like 25 people coming to our living room every, every uh, Sunday. So it's amazing. I, I have missionaries tell me, you know, we've been in Europe for 10 years, and we don't have 25 people ever gathering together. So God's doing an amazing work by his grace. Amen? Amen. And um, so greetings from our little gathering in Langefeld. Greetings from my wife and uh, my son, JJ. And uh, man, they wish they could be here. I wish they were here. I want to apologize um, now because what ha- what's going to happen is as soon as I'm done, I got to go. I, I literally, we weren't even sure this was going to work, but I got to catch a plane in Seattle. So I got to get out of here. I won't have as much time as I'd like to, to chill and hang out with you guys. But anyway, um, I'm a little scatterbrained today, but greetings from everybody. I want to share something from the word. Um, as you're getting there, it's going to be John 21. I just want to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. My wife also would say thank you, thank you, thank you for what Chris was talking about, the support. And the financial support, of course, is like a necessary thing. And obviously, that's just a reality of being on the mission field like you need to live. You know, it's like expensive like anywhere else. But um, so you guys are huge with that. You guys, I don't even know if you know that. You, part of your giving goes to help us. Um, but I would even say more important than that is the prayer, when you guys pray for us. And so thank you, thank you, thank you for prayer. Thank you for support. Thank you for what God is doing through you guys. So heaven will reveal the rewards, amen? Such a cool thing. You know, I was talking about how there's not a lot of other Christians in our area. Um, <laughs> quick story on that. We had, we had this great family, Karsten and Eula, and their little boy, Timmy, they come to our church, and he's my translator, awesome guy, speaks perfect German, perfect English, and uh, his wife, Eula, was at this little um, women's thing in a different city at her old church, and she went to this little breakout uh, court, or what do you call it, like a workshop deal for this women's retreat thing, and she went to the wrong one, and she was all bummed. She's sitting there all salty, like, dang it, I'm in the wrong one, and um, and she just so happened to sit next to this lady and she started talking to her. And she's like, hey, where are you from? Oh, we live in Sangerhausen now. Where? Sangerhausen. Where's that? Uh, I think my sister lives like five, like five kilometers <laughs> from you guys. Um, and she's like, no way. Well, we should connect. And so they got these phone numbers, just rando, you know, just happened to be there. Well, she contacted her, this girl, and she's like, her name is Justine. She's like, are you... There's other Christian. I've lived here five years. I thought I was the only other Christian in this area. I will be there on Sunday. So I saw her pull up. You can tell when someone pulls up because, like, you know, it's pretty small. So they pull up, and she gets out of her car, and I just kind of open the door to welcome her, and she's there. She's a 24-year-old, 24, anyway, woman with uh, her little baby, and she doesn't even get to the, our, our doorstep, and she starts crying. She's like, I didn't know there was other Christians in this area. 
know what I'm talking about? Other Christians, like we get so hung up on like, what church do you go to? What denomination are you? Let me ask you a question. Do you love Jesus? Praise God, we're on the same team. Do you guys know there's no denominations in heaven? Come on, there's people who are saved and going to heaven and there's people who are not. That's the only two categories. And so, man, just, it was so cool just to see that. And we've, just a sweet, sweet fellowship. They gather at our house at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings. They leave about one o'clock when it's time for Mittagessen, which is like lunch, the biggest meal of the day for Germans. And um, yeah, just a sweet, sweet thing that the Lord's doing. But I wanna share with you guys something that's just been this reoccurring word in my heart. It's from um, John chapter 21. And Chris said I could teach for hours, so <laughs> I won't, but... Just normal. <laughs> Miss me? <laughs> um, this is from John 21. I, I'm really just going to kind of, uh, I'm not shooting from the hip, but I, I am, it's not going to be super tight as far as like sermons go. I just want to share a little bit from what the Lord's sharing with me from this, this text and stuff. So God, thanks for, for your word. Really, Lord, your word is powerful and no one needs to hear from me today, Jesus. <laughs> We need to hear from you. We need to hear from your word. And I just want to pray right now for anybody who's here and they're like they're walking with you, but maybe from a distance. And, and I want to pray, God, that you would, you would just let us hear with fresh ears your voice saying, follow me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'm going to focus in, just in case you have your Bible, I'm going to focus in on... Um, Verses 15 kind of through 24, the very last chapter of um, John 21, or the last chapter of John. But I'll set the stage a little bit. So, so in John, like right before verse 15, some of your Bibles will say like, um, the uh, re, what's the word? Reinstatement of Peter or something to that effect. Does anybody have something like that? The restoration. That was the word I was looking for. Um, the restoration of Peter or the reinstatement of Peter. Um, if I would, were writing the little headings above the sections in the Bible, I would call it the recall of Peter. But that's a little confusing because it makes it sound like he's defective and needs to be recalled. And that's why I will never be invited to write headings above sections in Bibles. But, but that's what, to me, this is, this is the recalling of Peter. And you'll see what I mean in a minute. Let me give you a little bit of the background. This is obviously after the cross, after the resurrection. But you, you may or may not, I don't know how familiar you are with your Bibles, but the, you may or may not remember the, the drama leading up to this. Jesus after the Last Supper, the communion, you know, supper, whatever, he told the guys, hey, um, you're all going to scatter because of me tonight. They're going to smite the shepherd and the sheep are going to flee. And what did Peter do? He's like, not me, not me. And actually, Jesus is like, actually, especially you. <laughs> He's like, actually, Peter, before the rooster crow, you know, when the rooster crows twice, you will have denied me three times. And Peter like doubles down. He's like, no, not me. These guys, probably but not me. And you guys remember what happened. I mean, bless his heart, Peter is the one who pulled out the sword, you know, to defend Jesus. It's always a bad idea to try to defend Jesus, but he tries to defend Jesus in the garden when they arrested him. And then it just goes crazy. They take Jesus away. Peter follows him from a distance into the courtyard. And then he's just kind of like hovering in the courtyard, like trying to just, I don't know why he was there. Maybe he was, you know, bless his heart. Maybe he was just trying to stay close. You know, I don't want to, you know, 
say anything negative about it. He, he was trying, right? But you guys don't remember what happened. Hey, you're, you're, you were one of the guys with Jesus because you're a Galilean. And he's like, no, I was not. A little while longer, you know, like a slave girl's like, I think, hey, was this, you were one of the guys. No, I was, I don't even know him. By the way, I forget what version it is. I think it's Mark or Luke or John or Matthew. <laughs> Covered all my bases, can't remember. But one of them was like, the first time he denied Jesus, it says the rooster crowed. Did you guys ever catch that? It was almost like a warning shot across the bow. Peter, careful. I don't even know Jesus. Like, it's almost like God giving him an opportunity. You don't have to, heads up. But anyways, you guys know what happens. You're one of the Jesus followers. And he goes, it says he cursed. And growing up when I'd read that in the old King James and stuff, I thought, well, he cussed. Well, no big surprise, he was a fisherman. I mean, it's, no big. But it's more than that. He called down a curse on himself. It was more along the lines of, I'll be damned to hell if I even know who Jesus is. Okay, that's a little bit worse than cussing. I'll be damned if I know who Jesus is. Cock-a-doodle-doo. You guys remember that, right? And then Luke is the one who tells us that just at that moment, they were leading Jesus from one place to another. And it says, as Jesus walked by, they locked eyes. They saw each other. And Jesus looked at Peter. I'll be damned if I even know who that is. And he turns and he sees Jesus looking at him as the words are coming out of his mouth. Busted. And I will guarantee that that look from Jesus was not one of like, oh, wait till I, <laughs> when I'm raised from the dead, I'm coming after, you know, or like, how could you, Peter? It wasn't a look like that. It was a look of, I love you. I love you. I got you. I love you. But whatever that look was communicating, Peter got it because you know what it says? It says that Peter broke down and wept bitterly and ran out of that place. You ever been busted for your sin? Nowhere else to hide. All of a sudden, you're like the most surprised person in the room because you didn't think you could actually go there. And you went there. And there's no hiding. It's naked. It's open. It, it, it's all in front of Jesus. That's Peter. He's in that moment. The word, when it says it broke down and cried, the word, the word in the Greek is actually one word. And it's, it, this word breaking, it describes a wave crashing over the bow of a boat and just smashing. And that's what the heart of Peter did. He was broken. You ever been, anyone ever been broken before God? It's not necessarily a bad place to be. He's broken. And when we catch up to Peter, there's some time has gone by. By the way, after Jesus raised from the dead, it says, real quick little sentence in 1 Corinthians 15, it says that he appeared to Peter and then to, to the, the other guys. We don't have a record of what that meeting was like, and I'm sure it was awesome. But still, when we catch up to Peter right now, I believe personally, and you can fight me over this if you want, but I, I, I personally believe we're catching Peter at a very low place in his, in his life. I'm not gonna read it all. You can read it later, please do. The first part of chapter 21 says, they're in Galilee. What are they doing there? Jesus told them, hey, after I raise from the dead, go to Galilee, meet me in Galilee. And so they go to Galilee, but this is during that time where Jesus wasn't with them all the time. He's like coming and going. Like he had, he's just appearing, reappearing, like, I, almost, I think that one teaching, I called him a leprechaun, but then I had to pull that back. Like, don't quote me, don't tweet it or exit, whatever you do now. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? Jesus <laughs> um, is not a leprechaun. But he's, he's coming and going. And so they're there in Galilee, and Peter goes, I'm going fishing. And a bunch of the other guys go, yeah, we'll come with you. And it says they went out onto the lake, 
and they didn't catch anything. Now, I believe personally when Peter said, I'm going fishing, like it wasn't like, you know, it'd be fun today. It's nice. Let's go out and throw a line out in the water and just spend the day fishing. That, that's not what Peter did. Peter was a commercial fisherman. That's, who, that's what he did when Jesus called him away from that three years earlier. So I believe personally when Jesus said, excuse me, when Peter said, I'm going fishing, what he was saying is, um, I don't know what else to do. And I don't know where Jesus is. And I'm pretty sure whatever plan he had for my life about me being a rock, I'm clearly not that. So whatever plan he had for me is no doubt done because I have failed. So I'm just gonna do what I know what to do. I'm just gonna go back. See, I, I think Peter was at a place where he was lost, broken, confused, and made the mistake of thinking that Jesus thinks like we think. Surely I'm clipped, he thought. I'm going fishing. And the other guys are like, all right, we're with you. And by the way, he's out there all night. They catch what? Zero. Zero. I mean, that's fresh. That's like insult to injury. You know, at least he could have done well. That would have been one thing. But you guys know what happened? It says that Jesus comes up, shows up on the shore next morning. Hey, um, guys. And they wouldn't have been like too far off. Like they're not in the middle of the lake or anything. Guys. You catch anything? And then a miracle occurs. A, a fisherman doesn't lie. He's like, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I forget this is like the land of fishermen. Um, catch anything? No. Hey, throw the net on the other side of the boat. Because we all know, like I don't, I'm not even a fisherman. But we all know like that should make a big difference. Like the four feet, <laughs> you know or a meter and a half. Anyway, um, <laughs> so they throw the net on the other side of the boat, and bam, it just hits. You guys remember, it's like pulling the boat, in, you know, sideways, and they're like, what the heck? And it, it, John's like, that's Jesus. Peter's like, a little slower. Really? You think so? Pretty sure. Gets on his stuff. I love, you gotta love Peter. He doesn't like say, row in. He just jumps in the water and just gets to the shore and there's Jesus on the shore with fish. Come on, right? A little side note. Whenever you are out there looking for something and you come back, you find that Jesus had what you were looking for the whole time. <laughs> come on, right? It's empty. It's nothing. You know, I don't, I don't know. Maybe there's some of you here today where you're confused, frustrated, maybe broken, maybe just drifted. Maybe there's not some big failure or whatever, but, it's, it, but you've just gone back. I don't know what else to do. I'm gonna go back to what I know. I'm gonna go back to the old way of thinking. I'm gonna go back to the old peeps. I'm gonna go back to the old habits. I'm gonna just go back. And what you're gonna find is it's empty. That's what Peter found. Why? Because he'd been called away from that something much greater. So they, they have this meeting with Jesus on the shore, and then we get to the place where they have breakfast, by the way, and then they get to the place where it says the, the reinstatement or the, um, what was the word you used? Restoration or reinstatement, restoration of Peter. And, um, and that's where we pick up in verse 15. They finished breakfast, and Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. 
And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, well, tend to my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything and you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. We'll pause there. So what's happening here, the reason they call this the reinstatement or the um, gosh, my restoration. Thank you, my brain is like, I don't know. Anyway, the reason they call it that is because what's happening what did Peter do? He denied Jesus publicly three times. What's Jesus doing? Super simple. He's giving him an opportunity to declare his love for him publicly for every time he denied him. Amen? Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. All right, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. By the way, the first time he said, do you love me more than these? That, that's a little bit of a, Right? More than what? Well, what, did, what did Peter say? These guys will deny you. I won't. You love me more than these? <laughs> Some people are like, well, no, maybe it refers to the fish. Because they pulled in like 153 fish. Do you love me more than these? I don't know what the these, I, my, my, my first opinion is it's referring to the people, the guys, but it doesn't really matter what it is. The point is, do you love me more? That's the question. Do you love me, Peter? And, and I, there's a lot I want to say about this fact. I taught at the, a men's thing up in Washington with Michael was there, and, and I just focused in on that question, do you love me? I won't necessarily camp there, but I, I will say this. Notice the question that Jesus asked when, when he's bringing Peter back in. He didn't say, do you promise never to? Aren't you glad he didn't ask that? Can you do a better job? You promised to try harder. He didn't ask that. He just said, do you love me, Pete? That's the question. That's, it. That's what it's all about. Because before we do anything else, we just got to establish that. Do you love me? He, that's, just, that's just going back to, he's not just restoring his job. He's restoring a relationship here. Amen? He's restoring his relationship. And he looks at him and says, do you love me? And, and we can go back and forth on this. There's some really cool teachings embedded in different words for love that are used. But at the end of the day, he's just saying, do you love me? And Peter's like, yeah. Now imagine you're sitting there, knowing what you've done, all that stuff, and Jesus is looking you straight in the eyeball and says, do you love me? And you're like, yeah, I love you. But then he asks you again, do you love me? And you're like, yes, question mark, I think I love you. <laughs> and then like a third time, Peter, do you love me? And by that time, you're like, I thought I did. <laughs> Why do you keep asking me? It says he was grieved. You know, I love you, Jesus. And, and I, I, here's what I will say about this. If you don't get anything else, this is the most important question. Do you love Jesus? Let me talk to you Jesus followers. Let me ask you something. Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? You know what I'm saying here? I'm not asking if you go to church. Who cares? I'm not asking if you serve as a deacon. I'm not asking if you're on the worship team. I'm not asking if you tithe or give to missions. I'm asking you, do you love Jesus more today than you did 10 years ago when you got saved? Why is it that the longer we walk with Jesus, our love for him, that's the, that's the trap we always gotta watch out for. That's what Jesus said to the church at Ephesus that was doctrinally solid, like super conservative, awesome, busy church. And he says, but this I have against you. You've left your first love. 
and I won't stand for it, basically. That's Jason Beale version. Again, this is why I will never be asked to translate. So the rest of what I'm going to say doesn't even count or matter if we can't answer that first question. And maybe if you're just super honest, like, I, I do love Jesus, but I don't love him like I used to love him. What did Jesus say? Well, just remember, remember that and repent. Just go back. Remember how it was and start doing the things you used to do. When you were the most in love with Jesus, what were you doing? Well, I was going to church. Start going to church again. I was reading my Bible. Read your Bible. You know what I'm saying? Jesus isn't like, you don't love me anymore. <laughs> He's saying, don't let that fire grow cold, man. It, it naturally will. It does for everybody. Stoke it up again. Come on back. So the first thing he does is he, re, he I cannot remember this word. He restores him. Kim, you're my go-to from now on. Okay, let's go. Word. He restores him, but he also commissions him. He gives him a job to do. And he says, okay, feed my sheep, feed my lamb. In other words, you're gonna be Pastor Peter. And here's one thing I just wanna say real quick. I love that Jesus had a specific job for Peter. And I wanna tell you something. Jesus has a specific job for you. Amen? We're not all called to be missionaries. We're not all called to be pastors. We're not all called to be worship leaders like full-time staff at a church. But listen, you, Jesus did not save you so you could go to church once a week. Jesus has got something for you to do to further the kingdom of God. And that might be being the mom that he've called you to be or the dad or the worker. But like, there might be some stuff that he's calling you to do that's beyond you. I don't know. But he he's wants to use your life for the kingdom of God. Amen? We're not here just wasting time until Jesus raptures us. Like he's got stuff for us to do something specific because you're gifted specifically. Like you are valuable to the kingdom of God in a way that, that nobody else is. You're gifted differently. You act differently. You're wired differently. And it's exactly how God made you for what he's calling you to do. Cutting hair, working on cars, fishing. You can do that stuff with a missionary mindset and for the glory of God, and it'll radically change the way you approach your day. Amen? So he, he, re- him, he, he restores him. Why is that? For the love of all that's holy, I'm writing it down. Yeah, I thought my German was bad. Okay. He restores him. I literally had to write that down. Um, He commissions him. But then check this out. Look at verse 18. I see, in my mind, the chapter should have stopped right there. Let's just stop at that point because it's so good. Then in verse 18, he says, truly, truly, that's like Bible, they don't, it's a Bible version of emphasis. Jesus like leaning in, looking him in the eyes saying, what I'm about to tell you is real. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. And when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another person will dress you and carry you where you don't wanna go. I will confess to you, I have no idea what Jesus is talking about at that point. But luckily for us, there's some parenthetical notes right after that in verse 19. This he said to show by what kind of death he would glorify God. What a trip 
Follow the flow of the conversation. Do you love me? I love you. Yeah, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Okay, here's the thing, Peter. You're going to die. You're going to grow old, so that's cool. But here's what's going to happen. They're going to take you where you don't want to go, and you're going to die to glorify me. That, by the way, would have been kind of encouraging, by the way, for Peter. Why? Because that means it's almost like Jesus is saying, hey, you know what? You're going to get more opportunities to not deny me in public. And you're going to pass the test. The flip side of that is they're going to kill you for it. And in AD 64, Peter was crucified on a Roman cross. Tradition says upside down. You're absolutely right. Did you catch that? Upside down. We don't know if that's 100% true or not, but tradition says that. But he basically was like, I'm not worthy to die in the same way as my Jesus. So you can crucify me, but do it upside down. Who does that? A man who's been touched by the love of God, that's who does that. Peter, you're gonna die for me. Crazy. So he warns them. And by the way, I love this about Jesus, and this is something I think is missing from our culture a little bit. Um, because let's face it, and I'm not like coming back as like a jaded missionary or anything. I'm not, I'm really not. Um, in fact, the longer I'm in Germany, the more I realize I'm really American. That's just, I'm so American. Anyway, um, but this is something that I love about Jesus is he never backdoored anybody like this. He never snuck this point in as like a sub point. He was always so upfront about that, about this. And what is it? Following me is gonna cost you your life. It is not gonna be easy. It's not for the faint of heart to really be a follower. We're gonna talk more about that in a second. You're gonna die, Peter. And then he says these two words. And to me, this last, these last two words of, the, of this section are the climax of this. I used to think it was, do you love me? That was the climax. I've changed my, my mind. I think that these two words are the climax because he says, Peter, when you're old, they're gonna die and you're gonna die. And it's almost like in my mind's eye, I see Jesus at this point leaning in, looking him square in the eyes and saying, follow me. You're gonna die. Follow me. Why is that a climax? Because think about who he is saying that to. That is not the first time Peter has heard Jesus say, follow me. Three years earlier, Peter was by the, the same lake as a fisherman and this new up-and-coming rabbi walks by and says, come and follow me. And it says Peter left the nets, left the boat, left his father and started following him. Became a full-time disciple. There was another occasion where Peter was with the crowd, with everybody else. Jesus is preaching on a boat just off the lake to kind of use it as like an amphitheater and kind of get off the crowd a little bit. And Peter, some people think he's you know, holding the boat for him. And then when he's done preaching, he's like, now, Peter, take the boat out into the water. It's the middle of the day. Go get some fish. He's like, okay, Jesus, maybe you should just preach and leave the fishing to us, but that's not really how it works. But because you said so, we'll do it. Peter takes the boat out. They throw the, wet, the, the, the net in the water. Boom, massive haul, the biggest catch the Galilee has ever yielded. And he, dra he dragged the nets back to shore and Peter just falls down right in the front of face of Jesus because he realizes that's not normal. You're God. And, and Jesus says, don't, don't be afraid. From now on, you're gonna, you're gonna catch men. And it says that Peter left everything and followed Jesus. He left everything and followed Jesus. Then he left everything and followed Jesus again. <laughs> Does that remind you of anybody? I'll follow you. I'll leave everything. And then you're, there you are doing your old things again. <laughs> this time, I'm totally gonna follow you. <laughs> And then one last time, it's as if Jesus says, 
We're just gonna go back to that original call, Peter. This time, no more, no more going back to the nets, no more going back to the water. Follow me. And I wonder if that just exploded in his heart. Follow me. Follow me. And I wonder if today there are some of you that you heard that call three years ago or you heard that call 10 years ago. Maybe you've never really heard it before, but maybe this morning Jesus is saying to some of you, follow me. Oh, oh wait, let me, let me make something clear. Loving me and serving me, it'll probably cost you your life. So let's go. Follow me. Amen? See, I believe Jesus is calling us to an intimate, exclusive, and a radical life. An intimate life. When, it says, when he says, you know, that's an imperative sentence, right? It's a, it's a command sentence. But it's more than that. It's an invitation. Jesus is saying, follow me. And I am inviting you, Peter, to come with me. You're not disqualified. I've paid for your sin on the cross. And I want you to come follow me. And guys, initially... First and foremost, what that means is an intimate walk with Jesus. And I think Jesus is calling some of you, some of us back to that intimate walk with Jesus. Do you remember what he said to the disciples on the day that he called them apart from the crowd to make them officially disciples? In Mark 3, it says he gathered those guys up to him and it says he called them to be with him and then he might send them out to preach and cast out demons. What was the first thing it says? That they might be with him. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Is that you are with Jesus. And now in their context, that meant where he goes, you go. Where When he stops to eat, you stop to eat. Like he was physically with them. For us, obviously, that looks a little different. But the point is, is that, guys, he becomes the most important relationship in your life. And you just, he's calling, he, listen, he's not sending you out into the mission field and doing this. He's first and foremost saying, come to me, follow me, come back to me. But I've blown it, Lord. You didn't blow it worse than Peter. Any of you brought down a curse on your head for, and said, I'll be damned to hell if I even know Jesus? No, but I've looked at porn. No, but I cussed at my wife. No, but I, listen, I'm not excusing any of those things. Yeah, that's sin, but you know what? The blood of Jesus has washed away your sin. And he is saying, come, it is not too late. Start again, follow me, and maybe in a way like you never have before. Because now you understand grace. Don't you get it? Peter never went back to the boats. Peter never went back to any, because he had been touched by the grace of Jesus. He had this revelation that Jesus knows everything about me and still loves me. I'm yours. Amen? And sometimes it takes two or three times in our lives, some, some fall downs and some get ups. And, and Jesus, and, and here's what you find. This is what... I don't know how to communicate this, but I just want to communicate in some way to you that Jesus doesn't give up on us. I mean, we live in cancel culture, blah, blah, blah. Jesus will never cancel you. In fact, he, when did he find Peter? At his lowest place. That's when, you, that's when you find Jesus. You look up from the dirt you're laying in, and there's Jesus' feet. He loves you. Amen? He's chasing some of you. He's calling some of you. Follow me. It speaks of intimacy. Another thing it speaks of is an exclusive call. He's, he said, 
To follow Jesus means you exclusively follow Jesus. And I guess what I mean by that, I was thinking about this, not that this is gonna sound super corny, like an old guy trying to sound relevant or something, but let me tell you what Jesus is not saying. He's not saying, smash that like button and follow me. Jesus is not a YouTube channel or an influencer on TikTok where you just, yeah, I'll follow you. You've got some good content along with 2,700 other people that I'm following. No, it doesn't work like that. Jesus says, you follow me and me alone. I'm the greatest influence in your life. You follow me. Jesus would say crazy stuff like, unless you hate your father and mother, you can't be a, now he's not teaching us to hate anybody, but he would teach by contrast. And he's saying your love for me compared to your love for even your own family or your own country or your own anything should look like hatred. It is an exclusive relationship where you say, Jesus, you and you alone are the king of my heart. Amen? And everything else has to go underneath that. You alone, Lord. I am following you, not you plus. I'm following you. And you're the king of my heart. And you're the boss of my life. And, and every other relationship has to get pushed aside. I, mean, I think some of us need to, to, to get back to this where we're following Jesus. We're Jesus followers. Not what culture says, not what's popular. And this is what we just have to start getting used to in America is that following Jesus will go, is going to make you very unpopular. And we should welcome that because that's exactly what Jesus said it would be like. And it's what it's been like for all the rest of the world since the cross. Follow me exclusively. And that leads right into the third little nuance here. And that is, follow me, it's intimacy, it's exclusivity, and it's radically. Follow me radically. Peter Great that you love me. I got a job for you, pastor. Um, that's great. Here's the thing. It's gonna, you're gonna die. I think one of the reasons that so many young people are dissatisfied with the church and with Jesus people and all that, it's boring. Because the example they're seeing is not people that are following radically after Christ. See, I think young people, old people in between, it doesn't matter. We all want something. What's that something? We want to be a part of something that's bigger than ourselves. We want to have a meaning for living. We don't want to just breathe to death. We want to live for something that's worthy to die for. Why do you think? There's all these causes, all those stuff. Guys, we are a part of the greatest mission. We're on a mission to save the world. <laughs> Jesus Christ is the only hope for this broken and lost world. He's the only hope. And he's saying, follow me radically. With radical obedience, that means, and, and, and again, we uh, it, this is not just our culture. This is just, I think, human tendency is that, you know, we're just disobedient, right? But guys, to be a Jesus follower means that you don't get to lead your own life anymore. That means you're, you're obedient to God's word. That there's a greater, and this is, you know, this is very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, well, progressive, and I mean this in a good way. Like, when you first get saved, like, you don't, you're just new. You don't understand. But as you grow in your walk with the Lord and you grow in the word and you see what God says about stuff and what culture says about stuff or what you say about it in your own life, we have to go to what God's word says, hold it up against the truth of God's word and says, if something needs to change, it's me. Amen? 
We cannot just live however we want to live and call ourselves Jesus followers. Well, that's radical. Yeah. But, but guys, we live in obedience, radical obedience. I'm not talking legalism. I'm talking about radical obedience to, to God's word. Amen. And that's just, by the way, that just means it's a life of always having to repent. <laughs> because you're like, I'm living for God. Oh, this is wrong. Dang it. That's really hard, Lord. Ah, and did you know, by the way, a little side note to my side note, you never, like, did you know the whole Christian life is just how it started? How did your Christian life start? I can't do this. This is too hard. I need your grace. Amen. That's how you got saved, right? Did you know it just keeps going like that? We think like, okay, I'm saved now. I got this together. I'm going to do it. And then you try to live for God and you're like, I'm an idiot. I need grace. You just keep doing that. It's just one layer after the next of like, oh, Lord, now I know this is wrong, and I do that. Oh, I know this is right, and I don't do that. Oh, God, help me. And you just keep coming to him, and he keeps giving you the grace to walk with him. But the point is, you have this heart of obedience. Amen? And it's also radical submission to his will for your life. Radical submission to his will for your life. And this is where it gets a little uncomfortable, especially as Americans, because we got rights. No, we don't. I praise God for America. I really do. But we lay down our rights at the cross. And we say, Jesus, you can do whatever you want in my life. And it's not about living your best life now, following your dreams. My life becomes whatever your dream for my life is, Jesus. Whoever you tell me to marry, whoever you t- wherever you tell me to go, Wherever you tell me to work, well, I don't know if I like that. That's uncomfortable. That means I can't follow my dreams. Yeah, that's right. That means I, yeah, Jesus said, if you seek to gain your life in this world, guess what? You'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake and the gospels, you'll find it. See, this is the lie we're getting. The lie from Satan is you do you. And don't let anybody tell you you're wrong. That's a lie. That's, that results in brokenness and loneliness and emptiness. You want to really experience, see, this is why, see, when you first read this, you're like, Jesus, that's harsh. Like, you love me? You want to serve me? Great. You're going to die. Follow me. You know, like, "Ah, I don't know if I'm into that. Or could it be that Jesus is saying, yeah, you're going to die for me? Like, physically die. But you're going to live a life. Because what did Jesus say in John 8, 12? He said, if you walk in the light, if you walk with him, you'll, you'll have the light of life. That very thing, you know, we think real life would be if I could just live in a camper van and cruise around and post everything on Instagram and just have no responsibility. That's not life. Life is giving your life away and serving others and dying to yourself and, and living for Jesus. And then all of a sudden, as you're giving away your stuff and, and giving away your time and giving away your life, what you're finding is I'm really living and I'm full it's not about self. Jesus is saying, I triple dog dare you to follow me radically, Peter. Let's go. When I was at the men's conference, I titled this part of the message, let's go. I picture like a quarterback or a quarterback coach, you know, like grabbing the face back of his quarterback saying, let's go. <laughs> it's probably not like that at all, but. I almost wonder if there's like a little smirk on Jesus's face, like, Peter, you're gonna die. Come on, follow me. Because it's gonna be a crazy, full, radical, hard 
but rewarding life. Follow me with intimacy. That's the most important thing. And, and do what I'm calling you to do. And live a life of radical obedience and submission to me. What did Peter find? He became one of the most influential people that ever walked the face of the earth. A nobody fisherman from Galilee. Oh, I'm no Peter, you might say. Actually, you might be. He was loud, obnoxious, made a lot of mistakes, a fisherman. That's like seven people in here right now that I'm looking at. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I only know seven people from this church now. <laughs> it's like changed so much. Okay, I don't even know what time I'm supposed to be done. I think now, right? Which clock is right? Well, see, that clock says one o'clock. I'm going off the top one. No, okay, almost done, truly. One last little, little nugget here, because this is great, because you're like, yes, I want to do that. I want to follow Jesus. Then it says, Peter, verse 20, turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. And then it describes who that was. Um, it's basically John. And then skipping down to verse 22, Jesus said to him, um, no, I'm sorry, verse 21, Peter saw him and said, Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Now, pause. Here's what happens. Jesus is having this moment with Peter. Peter, follow me. You're back in, buddy. Let's go. Follow me. And Peter's like, yeah. And they evidently must have been walking while talking. John starts following them. And Peter takes his eyes. Listen, Jesus, Peter takes his eyes. Listen, Peter takes his eyes off Jesus looks behind him at John and says, what about John? Like, I'm going to die and stuff, but what about John? And Jesus says, if it is my will that he remains until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Back to the quarterback coach grabbing the face mask. Stop. Hey, come here. Look at me. Guys, this is what a lot of us need right here. Because we're like, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm gonna, what, what are you doing? Are, they gonna, are you guys following Jesus? And Jesus would be like, stop it. What if they're not going to follow Jesus? What if I want that person? Okay, but you said I was going to die. Are they, are they going to die too? What if I want him to live forever and ever and ever? Amen. What is that to you? I'm calling you to follow me. I'm not, we're not talking about John right now. We're talking about you. Listen. Not all of your friends at school are gonna follow Jesus. Not everybody you go to church with is really gonna go hard after Jesus and follow him. But what is that to you? You follow Jesus, no matter what other people say. You know, sometimes following Jesus, he'll ask you to do stuff that people are like, I don't really agree with that. And you gotta basically, with respect, say, well, I appreciate your opinion, but I've gotta follow what Jesus is calling me to do. Amen? Gosh, we, you know, when we moved to Germany, I, I had well-meaning friends who love the Lord, and I don't question that one bit, and are walking with the Lord and be like, yeah, I don't, I don't think you should do this. And I'm like, respectfully, I appreciate that, but I'm not super interested in your opinion. <laughs> I, I, I say that with respect because there is wisdom in counsel. Like, I'm not saying you shouldn't take counsel and listen to people and let people speak in your life. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm just talking about like, no, I'm called to do this, and I gotta go, well, that doesn't make sense. Or how are you gonna provide for yourself? Or we need this, and you have a family, and... I get that, but I gotta follow Jesus because you know what? There's coming a day where I'm gonna die or I'm gonna get raptured and I'm gonna stand in front of Jesus and I got news for you. When you stand in front of Jesus, you do it alone and your boys aren't gonna be there and your girlfriends are not gonna be there. Your pastor's not gonna be there. It's just gonna be you, mano y mano, with Jesus and the only thing that's gonna matter is were you faithful in your life to what he called you to do 
No one's gonna be going like, but what about? We're not talking about that. No. You follow me, amen? I just wanna say this as an encouragement to some of you guys, maybe the younger crowd especially too. Like, don't look around. Because you'll either, you'll either get prideful or discouraged. <laughs> you follow Jesus. You just keep your eyes on Jesus. You just be accountable to Jesus. Now, there's lots of other things we could say. And, and I guess what's just really on my heart, like, honestly, I don't know how, if this is coming through, but what I really want to encourage you with is that I believe that the word of the Lord for Coastline Christian Fellowship on this day, October 1st, 2023, is that Jesus is saying to some of you, follow me. And maybe you heard that three years ago and you failed and whatever, and he's saying, but I haven't given up on you and the call hasn't changed. Get up, follow me. Maybe there's someone in here today where you're hearing it for the first time. Maybe you don't understand all this stuff about church and God and this and that, but there, I wanna just tell you there's a God and he loves you and he's not giving up on you and he sees you and he knows how you feel and, he, and, and all that pain and failure and brokenness that you're experiencing, he took that and he died for it for you on the cross because he loves you and he is calling you into a life that is real life. Did you know Jesus is life? He says that in 20 different ways and I'm going through the gospel of John with our little Bible study group. He is life. He's what you're looking for. He's why you're, dis the reason you're dissatisfied is because you're just doing what we all do. You're looking for that life in something or someone that will never be able to give it to you. It's found in Jesus. And I wonder if there's anyone for the first time today that just says, you know, I wanna give my life to Jesus today. I'm gonna be, a, I wanna start being a Jesus follower. Amen? And then I think there's other people here that you're getting recalled. God, Jesus is recalling you. But I don't even, what does that mean? It doesn't really matter. I don't think he's gonna give you the deets right now. I think what he's just saying is, do you love me? I got something for you. Probably gonna cost. Follow me. Oh, don't look around. Follow me. Follow me. You follow me. And then, by the way, and the last thing I'll say is, um, that word follow me, in the Greek, it's in, it's in the imperative, like present tense. It basically means keep following me. Follow me, you follow me, and you keep following me. Amen? When we follow Christ, we experience the light of life. And don't ever say that I didn't warn you. Like Jesus said, it's not gonna be easy. No one's saying that, but it'll be full. It'll be worth it. Amen? Who wants to follow Jesus? Don't raise your hand. Don't say a word yet. I'm gonna, I think Chris, I'll let you wrap it up, bro, however you want to, but you wanna follow Jesus? Don't let this be a sermon. That would suck if this is all this is. That would be a waste. We prayed in the prayer room before. Lord, help us to respond appropriately to the message today. If, if he's not recalling, if you don't really feel anything, you're like, no, I'm, I think I'm walking good with the Lord. Cool. But if you're here and you're like, no, this is for me. I'm being called or recalled to follow Jesus. Yeah, we need, you need to respond to that. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We praise you for your, for your grace. Lord, I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, this is a story of grace. 
a man who had blown it, and you didn't clip him, you didn't give up on him, you didn't, um, ah, you just called him again. And I pray for those who, who just needed to hear that today, that you're not frustrated, mad, and angry, and that you know him and you love him, and you, you paid for all the sin, you just want him to, to get going again. And I pray for anybody who doesn't know you yet, that they would know you today, in Jesus' name, amen. Lord God, I just want to lift up my brother too and his family as they continue to faithfully serve you over in Germany. And Lord, we just thank you for all the faithfulness through the years of him just following you and the fruit Ooh. that's come from that in our lives personally and that's still coming in other people's lives. And Lord, as he heads back up, gets on a plane and goes back there, Lord, just may that be the, the focus, their, their focus be on your love and let that be the driving force as they continue to follow you over there, Lord. And, and anything else you have, everything you have for them, may it just be that simple response out of the love you've displayed for them, just as with Peter, in, in going wherever it is you want for them, knowing that that's where they're gonna be most satisfied, wherever you're most glorified, yeah. Lord. And may we remember to pray for them, support them, encourage them, never forget them, Lord, in, in the work that they're doing, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, as the worship team comes up here, I, I just echo what he's saying in that I don't wanna leave without giving you guys a chance to respond to what it is that the Holy Spirit's ministering to you right now. And he mentioned this passage uh, from Revelation chapter two where Jesus is, is dealing with a church that by the outside, they look like they're following Jesus but they had forgotten their first love. They had forgotten, they had neglected in some way that relationship with him. And I think there's a whole nother category of people where there's probably some of us that think we're following Jesus because we're looking at all the things we're doing for him and we've completely forgot that what's most important to him is that loving relationship with him because that is what's gonna drive us following him. Because when you love somebody and you know they, they love you, that, that's what keeps you close to them. That's what makes you wanna be with them. It may, it's what makes you willing to go wherever they go, right? And what he tells this church that's lost their sight of their first love, he says, but I have this against you, that you've abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen, repent, and do the works you did at first. So he simply just tells these people that had lost sight of that relationship with Jesus. He's like, well, remember when you did love me? Remember how that felt? Remember when you were at that place? So repent, so stop falling away from me and just go back to doing what you did then. Real simple. And so if there's any of us in that category today, you're like, that's me. I mean, the Holy Spirit's just telling you that right now. I've lost sight of my first love, it's not like it was when I first got saved or when things were good with the Lord and I just was just living to experience that love. Wherever he took me, I was willing to go. I just wanted to know Jesus. I was just praying in the prayer room before because there's some newer believers in the church and you see that in them. Like, I just, I just wanna learn about Jesus. I just wanna know him. I, I can't get enough of him. Like, what I've seen is so good and I, that's all I want. And it's, it's contagious, right? For those of us that know him, like I've known him for 23 years and it's like, that's where I wanna be. 
I want to be there. I don't want to ever leave that spot. It's like good for me to see that. So if that's us, I'd encourage you, just respond. Well, how do I respond? Go back to the things you did at first. What were those things? Maybe you need to ask the Lord, what are those things I did at first? What, what was it when I was really just in love with you, Lord? That's where I want to be. And when you get to that place in that relationship with Jesus, you'll naturally follow. You'll be close enough to hear his voice and where he wants to lead you, and you'll just go because you want to be wherever he is, just like Peter did. Amen? So we're going to have a prayer team around the room, and you guys are welcome to come and get prayer for anything that the Lord is putting on your heart. Bear those burdens or those things that you're, you're bringing before the Lord with your brothers and sisters so we can lift them up for you. And the rest of us, we can just sit here and worship and be ministered by God, just respond to whatever it is he's saying, not leave here without allowing him to renew our minds and change us so we leave here closer to him than when we came, amen? Lord God, we just thank you so much that you always remind us when we're kind of losing sight of the main things. Lord, sometimes we think that there's, there's something deeper, there's something more we need when really it, it's just going back to the beginning. I remember how sweet it was to understood to understand for the first time that I was saved from my sin, that I could be forgiven of it through faith in you. I was broken at first, realizing or coming to this understanding of how wicked and and evil I was, just all the things that were a matter in my life. But then to know that you loved me as I was, that I could come, that there was nothing I had to prove, nothing I had to do. You did it all. I could just come and you would accept me. Lord, that was the the greatest feeling. It was a love that I had never experienced before. And at that point, it it changed me forever. And it it sent me on this direction of, I just wanted to go wherever you were, wherever you were leading. If you loved me that much, I could trust you. And so Lord, that's where we all want to be. And if we're not there now, Lord, thank you for reminding us to go back to that place. Meet us in this time. In Jesus' name, amen.